Good morning, everybody in Wellspring um, and everybody that are also connecting with us via internet and um, whichever other way people are joining us, maybe on Facebook or YouTube. I'm not sure exactly how it's working, but I'm so excited to be here with you. And um, from earlier this morning, I received messages out of Africa. People are praying, people are wrestling through many challenges. We are dealing with things. We're trying to stay focused in this time. We're trying to remember who Jesus is. We send verses to each other. We pray for each other. And we make sure that our joy is also there. So hands at work on our um, WhatsApp group. Um, somebody started the competition this morning to see how many coins they could put on their elbow and then catch it. And we've had like about 20 videos already coming in this morning, different people trying to break their records and just laugh and just enjoy it because in the back of their minds, we also got many challenges. We think of our children, we think of our grannies, we think of um, our service centers and we think of you guys. And so we're trying to keep it balanced and focused and not lose the joy of the Lord. Because we are told never to stop having joy. And so Carolyn and I also try to laugh constantly. And to choose, we make decisions to um, what we allow to um, dominate our emotional state. And sometimes it's not easy. Because sometimes I get news, which is tough. And then Carolyn must say to me, okay, stop it. That's enough now. Let's do this now. And and so we try to, to strike the balance, and I hope that all of you are with us in this time. So this morning, I want us to start by reading a beautiful scripture. So let me just pray for us. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you will be with us wherever we are today, and that we will feel your comfort so close to us. Holy Spirit, that you'll make your word alive to us, and that you'll guide us and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Let's jump straight into the word. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I'm going to read to you from John chapter 14 from the English Standard Version. John chapter 14 from verse 1 to 18. Let's hear God's word. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am now going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to my Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been of you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The word you say, 
the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else, believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works will these will he do. Because I am going to be with the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. you will, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. <laughs> How beautiful is that? <laughs> These 18 verses are so rich. And it explains everything we need to know to understand and accept Christ and his redemptive sacrifice. I believe these 18 verses are enough on its own, as it is there, to take young believers and to mature them in Christ. Everything is there. It's beautiful. <coughs> Excuse me. But I also believe that these 18 verses are very much for us who are more mature believers to consider seriously today especially in these times of uncertainty. In these times where we have to go back and dig deep and pick up that discipleship that God gave us to do, that mandate, and realize that Christianity is not a sprint, but a long run. It's a lifestyle that embodied everything in our lives. Eugene Peterson speaks about discipleship and he says, it is long obedience in the same direction. <laughs> I love that. Of course, it's impossible to do justice to all these beautiful, beautiful verses that we just read this morning. So I really just want to touch on a very few of them. But before I do, I want to take you to a few other key statements. And I want to ask you, as mature or maturing believers, to go and dig them out yourself and to make this personal in this time of uncertainty, in this time where we see so many things are shaken. So many things. And friends, not being a doom prophet at all. I don't want to bring, I want to bring hope. But I want to bring hope in the midst of reality. And reality is it's not going to get better quickly. Many people are saying the bigger crisis is actually coming after the virus. So I don't know. But what I do know is that we can prepare ourselves because we are children of the light. And so this is what I want us to do, especially this morning. So a few statements that I want you to go and look at, and I want you to go and dig into them yourself. And I'll just make one or two comments on each one. The first one is in verse 9. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. 
Could this be that that is the most neglected aspect of Jesus' life? As part of Jesus' mandate, not just to bring salvation, and not, but also to introduce us for the first time, unedited, to the heart and the character of our Father. It's amazing. That's why Jesus made so many statements. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if we think of things, for example, that Jesus, who is the Father, and showed us the Father, that Jesus, the creator of the universe, decided to walk into Samaria many hours in a hot sun, dust, dirt, to go into a place that is absolutely a no-go zone. For his culture, his religion, in every way, the Jews would have walked around Samaria. Jesus went right into the core of Samaria and only to meet one ill-reputed woman. Why did he do that? Of course he cared about her, he knew her, but he wanted to show us the Father. Nobody's ever too bad, ever too far, ever too sinful for a Father to run towards us if we choose to come home. That turning point happened when that prodigal son said, I will go home. And her Father said, I am waiting. So I want you to consider these verses through this time. The second one would be, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. Verse 12. To be honest to you, this verse, it hurts me that I can't speak to you more about it today. I just want to leave this with you. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I now send you. You've got the exact same mandate that the Father gave Jesus. And I have been sent to bring the good news to the poor, the brokenhearted, those that need comfort. I have come to bring reconciliation. I've come to bring healing. I did not come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came to seek and find those that were lost. That is your mandate. Go and dig it out. In verse 14, Jesus said, If you ask anything in my name, I want to ask you this morning, when last did you ask something in Jesus' name on behalf of someone else with sincere faith and urgency? As sons and daughters, we have this crazy privilege that we can run to the most powerful person in the universe and say to him, can I speak to you about that person and that person who's suffering? You can change it. You can help. Can I speak to you about them? The last one I want to mention to you is verse 16. I will give you another helper. He gave us that helper. The Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, is prepared to stay with us in this messy world. When last did you thank him for that? When last did you thank him that he's prepared to stay in your messy life? When last did you invite him specifically? Do you know the gifts he gave you? Do you use those gifts for the broken or the poor? Or do you put your talents and bury them under the sand? What does the parable say about that? Do you bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Do you please Him by having His fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Do you have that fruit in your life? Do you seek them? Okay, so let's, let's go to a, just, I think, three verses I just want to touch on this morning. The first one is, 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, also believe in me. I don't want to expand too much in believing God, also believe in me, but in principle, Jesus is saying, I and the Father are one, right? But he is encouraging us here. He's saying, if you want to prevent your hearts from being troubled, believe in God. Be anxious about nothing. We know all these scriptures. Cast your burdens. Fear not. I'm with you. The list goes on and on and on. Friends, when we look at the condition right now, the, the crisis, let's just be honest for a moment. There are two things that's causing anxiety and fear. First of all, we fear death more than God. And that's bringing huge anxiety to us. And secondly, we trust our bank accounts more than we trust God's provision. Let's be honest. Let's, let's run to our Father with that this morning. And then let's ask ourselves, the Bible in John 8 verse 32 34, it says, You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. What is the truth? Well, the truth is we do not have to fear. I'm a picture person. Um, if you think of a child on a bicycle, how you teach a child um, to cycle. We learn from people that we trust. We learn to trust them because we believe they will protect us. You know, a child can watch videos on YouTube, a child can do all of that. Man, the child needs somebody close that they trust, that can put their hand behind the bicycle and can hold it. And even when they take their hand off and they run three meters behind the bicycle, the child still knows and trusts that that parent will not let them get hurt. He will protect them. That's how they learn to cycle. It's good that we learn from other people, listen to their testimonies. It's great. But friends, it's only work really go deep when the, the storm comes. If we've got our own stories, our own history where we trust God and we can remember that. That's why God said to Israel constantly, remind your children what I did. Remind them. One of the greatest truths that we need to start with is the beginning of all wisdom is to fear God. What does that fear mean? Well, maybe a better word in our bad English of today, English is a bad language, is um, to respect, to have confidence in God, to fear Him, to know He's bigger than the problem that you fear. That's what we need to understand now. For this to happen, we need to get to know God. That's what Jesus said. Get to know me. If you know me, you will not fear. Think of David. How could that boy that day not only have fought against Goliath, how could he have run towards the problem? He didn't say, okay, okay, if you come, I'll fight you. He ran towards that giant. <laughs> it's unbelievable. How could he do it? He knew exactly who was in his side. He experienced it. You know, Jane is a, a lady that's only about five feet, five feet two maybe, in Zimbabwe, one of the hands leaders, just an amazing woman. Um, last year, I think it was, when she heard that two of our girls were taken into Mozambique, from Zimbabwe, over the mountains, into another country for early marriage. And Jane, a, a small woman, and in Africa, a woman, that's significant, she crossed the border walked through the mountains from village to village till she found that girl and she took them from those men 
they took those children. <laughs> you know, I can tell you a long part of the story. And when she came back, how all the other people saw her coming back. And how that act of her faith just brought so much faith to our children and our key workers. The whole community believed more in God because of what Jane did. But it wasn't just for them. Jane built a memory bank for herself. Jane will now even do greater things in the future because Jane knows that God is good. She knows she can trust Him. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. To believe in Him, you need to know Him. Jesus also said, I go to prepare a place for you, and I'm combining two verses here, and I will not leave you as orphans. Let me ask that you think about that. You know, not leave you as orphans. I will do a series of 300 hours for you on that if you want to. But I know you, might, you know my heart and that. But let's just talk about I will prepare a place for you. When last did you think about that? Honestly think about that. How real is that in your life? Where do you invest? Now or in a time to come? I'm going to ask Carolyn to do something behind me. So, I hope the Larsons are not thinking we're painting on the wall. <laughs> but Carolyn is making a dot, thanks, Kat, on that wall. A small, small dot. Now, look at that big wall. Look at that wall. And look at the dot. Friends, the truth is, the genuine truth is, that dot is your life on this earth. The wall is your life to come. Now, I know many of you very well. And I know you are very wise and clever people. So I want to ask you this question. Where do you invest? Where do you invest your life into? In this dot or in a life to come? You know that we can invest into the eternal life. We can invest into, we can have a harvest. We can have rewards coming there. And we can have a harvest rewards coming here. I'm not saying we mustn't prepare and um, Look after ourselves when we're old and sick. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying in proportion, where's your biggest investment? That's what's in your heart. Go and read Isaiah 65 from verse 17 onwards again. And go and remind you of what is coming. It is not possible for you and me to imitate Jesus if we do not constantly remember his kingdom and what he is going to bring. For example, do you know that the kingdom that he's bringing, there will be no pain, no brokenness, no virus, no anxiety, no fear. That is coming for sure. And you and I will be in that culture and in that kingdom. But right now we live in a broken world with a virus and with fear and anxiety. And so what do we choose to display? What do we choose to live in our hearts? This dot, this moment, are we going to become overwhelmed knowing what's coming and knowing what impact we can have on people that don't know about this big wall, this big eternity that they can be part of? Where do you spend your time and your money and your talents on? The last one I want to speak to you about is, of course, John 14, uh, John 14 verse 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 
Thomas question set the tone for one of the most frequent quoted verses in the Gospel of John. When Jesus responded, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the Jesus way, combined with the Jesus truth, brings us to the Jesus life. The Jesus way, combined with the truth. We can't proclaim the truth, but then do it in any old way. Nor can we follow the Jesus way without speaking the truth. But let me just be honest. The Jesus truth gets far more attention among us than the Jesus way. And why is that? I want to push that this morning. Why is that like that? Well, the Jesus way, the way that we practice Jesus, um, the way we understand the truth and practicing it, in our homes, in our workplaces, with our friends, with our enemies, in, in uncertain times. That is the Jesus way. And honestly, we pref would prefer much more just to tell people about the Jesus truth. That would exclude, exclude us from having to live the Jesus way. We just tell people how to do it. In fact, we can keep our social distancing from them after we told them the truth. We do not have to get our hands dirty. We don't have to live with them. We can put the truth in a nice, sterile compartment. But this is a far cry from the vibrant faith that you and I have been called to as a local church. Christian men and women should be able to boldly, boldly, enter into our workplaces, marketplaces, home, church, without deference, without apology. We are God's people. And again, we don't have time to go into it, but lay persons, friends, the deception of Satan, what he's done to that, caused endless harm to the church. Lay persons, let me tell you who were lay persons in the Bible. Mary, Elizabeth, Peter, John, they were lay people according to God's word, according to the description of that word, lay persons. We are called to hear, to obey, to love, to help one another, to live it out. We were called in a Jesus way, each one of us. When Israel came out of Egypt, God spoke these words over them. Already in Exodus, God said this, You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Exodus 19 verse 6. Peter took this, centuries later, he took this up and he's saying to his own congregation that were battered and hard-pressed. The first century Christians went through terrible times. And he's saying to them, he's reminding them, guys, you are a royal priesthood. You, you've been called to bring people to your father. That's what priests do. They, they stand and bring people to God. That's our call. That was the call of Israel. Let me just touch on the truth. You know, 
For so long we shouted to people, you need to be saved. I'm speaking as someone who was on the other side of the fence. Let me tell you, we didn't even understand what we had to be saved from. I met a group of women in uh, Malawi that said about the church, they told us, if we don't go to Jesus, we'll go to hell. The woman looked at me and they said to me, we are already in hell. Friends, may I, may I suggest this morning, we need to learn how to communicate skillfully. We need to communicate through truth, through God's word, through deed, and through signs. Trusting God for miracles. Jesus in referred to the miracles. He said, even if you believe in me, I'll be half of the miracles. How carefully do we flow in the Holy Spirit? How are we part of this? Let me tell you a story of Naomi in Lagos. I heard her story this week. I've been in that slum area many times. Some of you have been there. Naomi is six years old. She's an orphan and she was brought from... Um, Benin, a neighboring country. So she's not even her own country. No family, nobody. Uh, uh, uncle brought her out of Benin, brought her there and left her in a slum. She's six years old. She's caring for a very poor woman's child. You will see a photo of uh, Naomi and a child. Recently, our care workers, who are lay people, just normal Christians like you and me, they're selling fish, they're planting, they're trying to stay alive, but they care, they're the salt of the earth. They went into that slum to visit Naomi. Not who? Naomi. And when they sat around the six-year-old slave girl, they laughed her, they bathed her, they sang over her. You know what happened? The community walked past and they mocked them. They said, you come here for Naomi? Yes. Jesus went for the Samaritan woman. We go for Naomi. Who are you going for? What are you part of? What is our burden? Our burden is for the lost. Our burden is not just for Naomi. Our burden is for that slum community that they will come to know Jesus. They respond like that because they're so broken, they're deceived. When we speak to them, they can't hear us. So we love Naomi in front of them. And then two or three come and sit with us and ask us, why do you do it? And we tell them about Jesus going to Samaria. Next week, there are seven new widows because they're so desperate for the truth. In two months, there's a church. We trust God. We push. We go. This is what we are called for doing. Because we see the big wall waiting for us. The life. So we spoke about Jesus is the way and the truth and now the life. How desperately sad that this is so misunderstood and so abused. I want you to consider this for a moment. The moment you accepted Jesus, the moment Jesus entered your life, eternity was within you immediately. I'm going to go hard now. Is that okay? This thing 
that I accept Jesus and one day I'm going to go to the war and in the meantime I'm going to live up the American dream. Okay, let me just say, you're foolish. You short sell yourself. The American dream is far cry from the life that Jesus promised us. That Paul spoke about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He said, you're a new creation. Man, there's a life waiting for you. If you are prepared to embrace it, there's a life that will make the American dream look like an American nightmare. Actually, if we look at statistics and we look at suicide rates, especially among the young people between 17 and 24, in the United States went up with 70%. In a generation where the American dream was more achievable than ever before in history, the American dream, friends, is nothing to the kingdom of Jesus. Okay, <laughs> I want to read a, a verse to you quickly. I don't have time to talk about the inner court and outer court, but I want to read this to you. In Revelation 11, verse 1 and 2, it said this, John was given a read a lightning rod to be used as a measuring instrument. And John was supposed to meet, to measure the temple and the altar. Let me just read the scripture. To, um, oh, sorry, I, I don't have that with me now. But if you look at um, Revelation 11 verse 1 and 2, John was given this rod to measure the temple. But here's the thing. He was only allowed to measure the Holy of Holies and the holy. There was very clear instructions. Do not measure the outer court. I want to ask you this morning, my brothers and my sisters, do you live in a holy place or do you live in an outer court? The outer court were there for people just standing and watching those living in a holy place. But they're close enough that people identify them with the temple. But they're far enough that they're not in the holy place. You have got access not just into the holy place. That should be your normal life. You've got access into the holy of holies. Isaiah 35 verse, 35 verse 8 says this, And a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. It will be there for those who walk in that way. Jesus said, I'm the way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. There's a way for us. There's a road for us. I'm going to close with just scripture. I'm just going to read scriptures to you. Why don't you close your eyes and listen to these scriptures? John 11, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. John 6.35, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John 8.12, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light and life. John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 6, verse 68. 
Peter answered them, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 1 John 5, 12. Whoever has a son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. May you have life. May you know the way, the truth and the life. May you bring hope. May you grow mature in this time so that many people can receive the hope just through your life, in your words and your deeds. God bless.